right now. Um, we have been talking about things that are lost in the Christian culture. Today, I want to address a difficult and sometimes controversial subject. By the time I'm done, some of you are going to feel uncomfortable and convicted of sin. Others of you are probably going to be angry. I don't like it when people are mad, but I'm ready for it, because really it's not me that you're going to be mad at, but God. This is His Word, not mine. It's a great way to start a message, huh? I did that because I want to prepare you for the tension that you're going to feel in the room. You see, we can't avoid difficult or challenging passages in the Bible. If the goal is to be lifelong followers of Jesus then from time to time, we've got to deal with the tough stuff. Last week, we talked about shouting, and you shouted. This week, you're probably not going to shout much. The word holiness carries a lot of definitions, depending on your background and your experience. For some of you, holiness brings to mind images of women with long long hair, long dresses, long sleeves, and no makeup. Others of you may think of a list of rules, you know, things that holy people don't do. The problem is man-made rules change. Many years ago, being holy meant no jeans in church. Being holy meant always wearing a skirt if you were a female. You see, girls couldn't wear pants in church or anywhere else. It was always a skirt. Women couldn't wear red. Women couldn't have short hair. Women couldn't pierce their ears. Women couldn't wear makeup. Isn't it interesting how many more rules there were for women than there were for men? Not sure why, but perhaps it was because men were the ones making up the rules. But there were also rules that applied to everyone. Some of you lived through this. Others of you have only heard stories of it. And, and some of you are like, really? Yeah, there used to be a lot of rules. No roller skating, no bowling, no playing pool, or especially playing in a pool. No going to sporting events, no movies, no TV. Years ago, the TV was called the one-eyed devil trying to take over your home. No cards or dice. Maybe some of you, when you played Monopoly, you had to make a spinner because you couldn't play with dice. No secular music. Holy people were expected to be in church every time the doors were open. There were a lot of rules. Now, in reaction to all of those rules, some of them absolutely unreasonable, we've, spun, we, we've, we've swung the pendulum really, really far the other way. Christians go to movies, any movie, regardless of the content or the rating. They listen to music with explicit lyrics that glamorize sexual sin. Christians have multiple TVs in their houses with movie channels that are far worse than anything that we used to have rules against seeing in a theater. You can dress however you want. It's amazing to me how people dress, not just at church, but in public. Listen, attending church anytime the door is open is long gone. Now, the average person attends about one out of every three weeks. 
Even the people who used to say that real Christians ascend Sunday night service and Wednesday night service now stay at home. In this series, we're looking at things that have been lost. You see, I'm afraid that the church has lost our separation from society. It's increasingly difficult to see the difference between followers of Jesus and people who aren't followers. We've gone from a lot of rules to almost none. From strict holiness over here to extreme grace. I wonder if we've swung the pendulum too far. So what's the answer? How do you know where to draw the line? To help figure it out, I want to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians. Before we do that, let me set the stage. Corinth was a large and prosperous city located in a key spot that controlled travel and trade routes throughout the northern and southern Greece. Corinth was known for its brass, its pottery, and its skilled craftsmen. But Corinth also had a dark side. Corinth was the center of the slave trade, human trafficking, A sizable portion of the population were slaves. Corinth was such an immoral city that its name became a a word for sexual depravity. To Corinthianize meant to commit sexual immorality. The name Corinthian girl was a term used to describe a prostitute. That's like if Texas was so immoral that Texanized meant to commit sexual sin... And Mahaya girl meant prostitute. You see, Corinth was an evil, sexually corrupt city. When Paul first arrived in Corinth, many of the people rejected the gospel and were even hostile to Paul. In spite of that, Paul started the church. After Paul left, he began hearing disturbing news about problems in the church. In response, Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians. We call that... 1 Corinthians. While the letter resolves some of the problems in Corinth, a new and potentially more dangerous threat emerged. False teachers came to town and, and convinced many of the believers that Paul was weak, ineffective, and not a leader worth following. They convinced them Paul wasn't of God. They were threatening the faith. Finally, after much Discussion, pain, and prayer, the situation at Corinth began to improve. But the false teachers were still there. A group of Corinthians remained loyal to the false teachers while others were just confused. In addition, many church members were spiritually immature. They struggled with moral compromise and basic moral standards. They looked increasingly like the corrupt, evil society around them. Even the leaders were selfish and sinful. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians to front, to confront the false teachers about teaching and to challenge the people to live a pure and holy life in the middle of a sexually permissive society that ignored the commands of God. Any of that sound familiar? Paul's words to the Corinthians certainly fit today. We pick up in chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. 
That command, do not be yoked to unbelievers, has been used by parents, pastors, and concerned friends as a warning. Make sure your close circle of friends believe in and follow Jesus. Don't date someone who isn't a Christian. Don't marry someone who is not a believer. That's all good, sound, and solid advice. If I passed around the mic today, there's people in here that would tell you, I started dating someone who wasn't a Christian. I ended up marrying him. I ended up marrying her. It was such a huge mistake. It cost me so much time, money, and heartache. Don't make the same mistake. Don't closely connect yourself to someone who doesn't follow Jesus. That's all true. But I think this warning goes beyond dating and marriage. That same command reads this way in the message. Don't become partners with those who reject God. See, partnership is a powerful thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. How many times have you heard someone say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I'm doing just fine on my own. And that may sound like it makes a lot of sense, but it's not biblical. We, were de- we weren't designed to go it alone. Following Jesus is supposed to be done together in partnership as a family. We are stronger and better and healthier and safer together. Listen, this is just one of the reasons that I encourage you to attend church. But don't just join a church. Join the family. Look, we want you to make MFA your home. But it's not about signing your name on a piece of paper. We want you to join the family. We want you to build relationships, form partnerships, plant deep roots. How do you do that? Joining a Sunday school class. Get involved in a life group. Join a ministry team. Find a serve team to be a part of. Reach out to people who sit around you. Invite them to lunch. Get to know them. Spend time together. Don't try to do it alone. Listen, if you don't form meaningful partnerships with other people in the family of God, guess what? You'll form those deep partnerships with people who don't share your beliefs, your standards, or your convictions. When you do that, you risk compromise, a gradual slipping of standards. That's what Paul was warning the church in Corinth about when he said in verse 14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. To help you understand Paul's words a little better, I want to read the same passage from the message. 
Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership between right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what we are. Each one of us is a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them and move into them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. So leave the corruption and the compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't leak up. Don't link up with those who pollute you. I want you all for myself. Come out and be separate. Leave the compromise for good. You see, those were God's commands to His people. So how do you know if you've been affected by bad partnerships and compromise? You see, this is where it gets challenging. If I give you a list of do's and don'ts, we can fall right back into the old pattern of rule following and artificial man-made standards of holiness. At the same time, if I don't give you some way to measure yourself, how do you know if you're too deeply connected to the wrong kind of people? Separation isn't measured by distance from people. Instead, it's observed in your approach to life. The goal isn't how close can I get to evil and not cross the line. It's how far can I stay from that which is evil, immoral, and wrong. You see, too often we try and toe the line of what's okay when really we should be seeking holiness and staying away from those things. Rather than evaluate and and judge the people around you, let me give you some questions to help you evaluate yourself. Number one, do you tolerate things that, do you tolerate things you used to think were sin? Do you tolerate things you used to think were sin? Over time, you change your standards to match the people closest to you and society around you. You justify it by saying things like, I can handle it. Or, it doesn't affect me. Or, you're just living in bondage. You need to be free. A friend of mine years ago was planning to start a young adult ministry. They sat down with a group of experts and and asked them to evaluate their plan and their approach. One of the guys asked them how many of them had seen the latest hot movie with the young adults. And, And none of them had because it was rated R, and they chose not to go to rated R movies. The expert told them they were irrelevant if they hadn't seen the movie and that they couldn't hope to relate to young adults. Was he right? In order to relate to young adults, do I have to go to every R-rated movie that comes to town? You see, that leads to the second question. Do you excuse your actions based on your culture. That's the argument the expert tried to use. You have to go to the R-rated movie if you want to understand the culture. You see, that's a rework of the classic line, everybody's doing it. 
I know what the Bible says about sex before marriage, but look around, everybody's doing it. Your actions are supposed to be based on the Bible, God's standard, not culture, not the world's standard. It's a little confusing. Stay with me and let me explain. Jesus was relevant to culture. Jesus said things in common language that people could understand. He told practical, current stories to help listeners relate to timeless truth. We want to be relevant. An irrelevant church will soon cease to exist. We have to continue to change in order to stay relevant. Think of all the changes that the church has made through the years. Our church services are in English, not Latin. It was a huge controversy a few hundred years ago. We have sound systems. We actually use microphones so people can hear us. We went from hymn books to overheads to projectors and screens. The first way that I ever served in a church was changing the transparencies for worship in our youth service. More than a hundred years ago, it was common that many worship leaders played the banjo. Now we've got keyboards and drums and electric guitars and bass guitars. Churches are now on television. Matter of fact, our church service right now is on Facebook Live. So people are watching that aren't even here today. Matter of fact, you can even go online every week and listen to the previous week's sermon. We have kids' church and a nursery. Can you imagine church without a nursery? Sure you can. Wait, we don't hit kids. Listen, we've got fancy lights and we've got free coffee in the lobby we've got air conditioning and we've got padded seats and we're not getting rained on right now do you really want to go back to the good old days with hard pews sawdust floors no air conditioning no children's church no student ministries no nursery no sound system and no free coffee in the lobby no of course not listen i don't know what our church is going to look like in five years but it's going to be different from today. We have always changed and we will keep changing in order to be relevant to society. We have to, in order to communicate God's timeless message in a relevant way. An irrelevant church or an irrelevant Christian is simply dismissed as out of touch. A balance point is that while we have to be relevant... We better be different. We shouldn't be so assimilated into our culture that people can't tell the difference. Ask yourself, as a follower of Jesus, am I different than the world around me? Are you separate or are you the same? A follower of Jesus is supposed to approach things differently. They handle their finances differently. They handle their marriages differently. Their relationships are different. Their choices and their habits are different. The way that they do business is different. Listen, you can't be both. You can't be both separate and the same. You have to make a choice. 
Which matters to you most? What people think or what God says? It's an easy answer, right? You all know the right thing to say, but here's another way to look at it. Do you measure yourself by people's approval or by God's word? If the number of likes on your Instagram or Facebook posts determine whether or not you're happy, people's opinions matter way too much. If you're willing to compromise your values or beliefs in order to be accepted in the right social circle, others' opinions are ruling your life. It's a trap. If you find your self-worth in what other people think, you're never going to be satisfied. Why? Because there are always going to be people who think you're awful. There are always going to be people that think you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not whatever enough. You're never going to make everybody happy. And if you're relying on others to get your self-worth, you will never find it. The next question that we need to ask ourselves is, have you redefined sin? Redefining sin is different than tolerating sin. Redefining sin is when you make an intentional choice to no longer consider something as sin, regardless of what the Bible says. The person who redefines sin says, I know what the Bible says, but this isn't really that bad. The Bible is out of date and wrong on this one. I don't feel convicted about that. God didn't anticipate our culture today. I know what the Bible says, but I don't have a personal conviction about that. Here's a powerful principle to live your life by. When you turn a command into a conviction you risk consequence. When you turn a command into conviction, you risk consequence. When God says do this or don't do this and you choose to disobey because that doesn't apply to me or that seems unreasonable or I can't afford that or I have to follow my heart, you forfeit the blessing and you choose the consequence. Sin is sin. Lying has always been a sin, and it will always be a sin. Sex outside of marriage, always a sin, and will always be a sin. Gossip has always been a sin, and it will always be a sin. Why? Because sin is a sin is a sin is a sin. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't make it any less of a sin. As a follower of Jesus, you don't have the option of redefining sin to fit what you want to do. You don't get to decide how God thinks. The Bible is the standard. Paul continued in verse 17. Therefore, come out from them and be separate says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Don't compromise one bit. Don't enter into partnerships with those who don't live according to God's standards and God's commands. Touch no unclean thing. It doesn't say don't touch some unclean things. It says don't touch any. No unclean things. Stay away from it all. 
zero compromise. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. You're a son or a daughter of God. You're a child of God. Act like it. Enjoy the blessings and the protection that your heavenly Father offers you. One of the biggest questions people ask is, what about the things in the Bible that that the Bible doesn't talk about? What do I do then? The Bible doesn't say anything about this. Listen, there are a lot of current issues that the Bible's silent on. Far too many people use the Bible doesn't say anything against it as permission to be involved or to do something. Listen, that's not new. No doubt that's how the Corinthians were justifying their action and their behavior. And Paul addressed that in chapter 7. Since we have these promises, dear friends, what promises? That God will be our Father and we will be received as children. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Everything that contaminates the body and the spirit. The message says it this way. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Instead of asking, what can I get away with? Change your question. Ask, does this honor God? Does this make me inside and out a suitable place for His presence? And when in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. If you have to ask yourself if it's okay, it's probably not. Don't. Not because of a list of rules, but out of reverence for God, because you love Him. You want to please Him, and you want to represent Him well. Listen, that's a really good principle to live by. When in doubt, don't. Live by that. Before I quit, let me address the question that some of you are asking. How do I reach people who don't know Jesus if I'm separate from them? I'd like to turn that question around if you don't mind. And even if you do mind, I'm still going to turn it around. How will you ever reach people for Jesus if you're just like them? If there's no difference between you and them, why would they want to leave what they are now to follow Jesus? Jesus reached out to the worst of the worst. The people that no one else loved, the people that everyone else rejected, those that were viewed as worthless and worthless. Jesus offered a new way to live and a new kind of love. Jesus didn't say, let me make your life better. I'll walk with you. No, instead, Jesus offered new life and a new way of living. He said, come on, leave all of that behind and follow me. Following Jesus means doing what he did. 
It means reaching out and loving people and inviting them to meet your best friend, Jesus. It means welcoming them into his family and our family in a new way of life. It means challenging followers to live differently than the others around them. Sometimes we get pushback when we challenge people, don't we? That's not how you resolve conflict. That's not how a follower of Jesus acts. People don't always want to hear that. But we have to challenge them. When they do, people around them will see the difference and be attracted to the Heavenly Father who welcomes us as children and commands us to be different. Are you the same? Or are you different? It's time for followers of Jesus to follow the commands of Scripture, to be separate and to be different. You see, the world watching will be attracted to that. To be different doesn't mean to be weird. Listen, being weird is weird. Stop. Like you ever look at someone and you just go, man, they're weird. I don't want anything to do with them. Listen, if you do that, other people do that too. And maybe you're the weirdo. Don't be weird. Be like Christ and be different. Listen, some of you, the reason that your family and friends haven't decided to follow Christ is because they don't see a difference in you. If you're just the same, why would they want to change? Am I going to give you a bunch of rules to follow? Yes. I'm going to give you a list of every single thing that you should not do. So if you got a piece of paper, get ready. I'm, I'm going to list out every single thing. You guys ready for it? Your hand's about to hurt. You're going to get writer's cramp. You know what? I'm, 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 I'm not going to do that. How about we just follow this one principle? Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor Jason, it, it kind of hit me today and I'm a little too same and not quite enough different. And I need to make some things right with God. I need to fix some things. Maybe you've never made things right with God. Maybe it's his so-called followers that have kept you from that. You've never seen a difference and now you see. Now you see the people you were comparing yourself to really weren't followers of Jesus. But you say, pray for me, Pastor Jason, because I need to make some things right. I need to be a whole lot more different and a whole lot less same. I want to pray with you. If that's you, raise your hand right now. If that's you, raise your hand. There are hands all over the place. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for adults and students, single adults, couples, and, and senior adults. You say, I've allowed myself to become same instead of different. God, we ask for forgiveness. 
God, forgive us, Lord, for the actions, the attitudes, the habits, and the words that so closely resemble our world that people can't tell a difference between us and them. Forgive us for the sin we pray in Jesus' name. Your word says that if we will confess our sin, which we've done, that you are faithful and just. You will forgive our sin and you will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we confess our sin and we ask for your forgiveness. And thank you for that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Cleanse us, Lord. Help us to stay away from everything that contaminates body and mind and spirit and attitudes. Not because of a list of rules, but out of respect for you. Out of reverence for you. And out of love for you. Lord, tomorrow as as we go back to work or we go back to school, I pray that others would see that we are not the same, but different. And that difference would draw people to Jesus who makes everything different. We want to follow you fully and be separate from the world. Help us do that, I pray.